Well, here we are, episode five. Woo-hoo. Channel open. I'm James. Amber. Kenton. We uh been talking about different topics that <coughs> kind of relate, hit home. And one of the things that uh, is kind of overlooked, they, they kind of hammer on it in the academy. They kind of hammer on it a little bit when you go into field training. But after you get out of field training, nobody really mentions it, and that's health, mental health and physical health for officers. Um, it's a pretty, uh, pretty in-depth topic. I think we all have pretty strong feelings about it, about um, the mental aspect of it especially, but there's some, there's some physical issues at stake too so i think one there's a lot of different ways you can look at physical health for police officers number one probably first that comes to mind is are you physically in shape enough to do the job to be effective to be able to get into the foot chase and then do something about it when you catch them and not have a heart attack and not have a heart attack um so just you know you go to the gym you run i i don't i'm not in the best physical condition but when i was on patrol i ran a lot um and somebody had told me when i was in the academy the biggest thing that you're going to struggle with is people trying to get away from you and being able to run right. distances speed especially with all that crap on, on yeah. um is important so that became a thing that i did for years i ran half marathons um, just trying to make sure that I was in good shape and lift weights and things like that. I don't really do any of that anymore, but um, I think it's important. I think a lot of uh, uh, health professionals or I guess, uh, you know, lifters and, and athletes would say that <clears throat> it really starts with your diet. Uh, a lot of health and a lot of your the weight issues, your ability to even work out and accomplish a goal, it, it starts with what you eat. And, Absolutely, and, and you know, Kenton and I worked night shift together for a long time, <clears throat> almost a decade, and yep. um, it takes a toll because there isn't a place that that has, you know, salad <laughs> at two o'clock in the morning. There's, it's hard to find things. You either have to meal prep, bring. If your they have the salad, it's been made four or five hours ago, and right. it's kind of beat up by the time you get a hold of it. Probably has some greasy chicken in it, right. something like that. Um, I think meal prep is probably the best way to go about it because it's nice to sit and have a meal with your coworkers, but that gets in- interrupted what 70 percent of the time yes yes um, even if it's not a call someone wants to talk to you so i still when i was on patrol i did tend to eat out more but now <clears throat> i meal prep and i actually bought something really dumb or would seem to be dumb if you didn't spend your whole life in a car like i still I'm in a van, big, white, sexy transport van. Panel van. Yeah, it's pretty hot. Um, But I'm in the van. I work 10-hour shifts. And so I meal prep, and I take a cooler with me to work with all the water that I need, with my food. Well, at least you have room for it. With my snacks. Throw it all. You might have had room. Put it in the floorboard of your passenger side of your patrol car. It would have been the same. So, but this thing that I bought recently that's kind of weird is it's a basically like a hot plate in a bag that plugs into your cigarette lighter and it's like a little mini crock pot and so I take my food and when I get into my van and I start my shift you plug it in Mm -hmm. and it slowly heats your food up 
So then when you're ready to eat, if you don't always want a salad, you can have a hot meal. Um, but being able to meal prep is the best way to make sure that you're going to have something healthy and have snacks. Yeah. I learned that early on. You get hung out on some call. Absolutely. Having some snacks. I learned that in about year pond. eight into my 20 something year career. Snacks are important. It never happened to me again. Right. Yeah, I always kept water. Granola, water. Stuff something. that won't melt in the heat. Yep. Because we kind are of protein bar. just north of Houston and it's hot. It's hot. Hot. You know what's, uh, you know, we're talking about night shift food and not having really any availability. I know we try to eat before all the stuff closes. But it's almost worse on day shift because you start off in the morning, you just woke up, you're hungry, you eat breakfast, and then by lunchtime, you're, so you're eating twice instead of just once. Well, also, people are talking about going to eat. Mm-hmm. You know, there's two or three people that bump you on the back channel or the MDT and say, hey, we're, we're going to wherever. Yeah. And naturally, I'm an eater. I love to eat. So uh, if it's been two hours after I ate my first biscuit, or I'm probably going with them. You yeah. Know? And it can it can lead to bad things for I've, sure i've seen you yeah and then i think when you i worked, took photos i do when i worked evenings 2 p.m to 10 p.m we would eat sort of right after we came on duty because three four o'clock it's right. on and it's going to stay busy <clears throat> until you get off work and then you would i would find myself trying to eat enough at maybe three o'clock in the afternoon to get me through the rest of my shift because the chances of being able to eat again and that's not a healthy way to do things but you end up eating and then invariably when you eat something really bad like a big old plate of mexican food mm. your next call is likely going to involve a foot pursuit <laughs> yes and you need to use the restroom yeah uh, yes 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 with a big greasy belly full of yep stuff and you're trying to run after some 16 year old or you're chucking it back up mm-hmm. and you're finished Yes. Well, I think at a certain point in my career, I, I pretty much knew I wasn't chasing anyone anymore. Not because I physically couldn't do it, but uh, it wasn't. It was worth it to me. But uh, how can I put this without? It just I didn't want to put myself in that position to where I'm missing work. I had to put food on the table. Mm-hmm. I also worked extra jobs, so uh, it was important. We made. I would basically have a different strategy rather than running them down well and also it, we uh, caught them it, don't it get kinda, me wrong yeah but it also matters about what they've done we take into account Absolutely. what do we chase what are we what am i about to risk my life on a foot pursuit for if it's just a, a classy uh, you know fail to pay a ticket or something right uh, i do not want someone speaking to my wife saying i was murdered because he had a class C and he just didn't want to go to jail that day or he had something on him that he didn't want to get caught with and the who thing knows? is if you know that he's got a warrant and he takes off running you know, you know who, who it is, is. <laughs> and you, you tell him as he's running away i know who you are you just picked <laughs> up another charge right and i'm yep. gonna tell your vehicle now and, and you got a class a now and a class c have a good day yeah right that's smart policing see you in court yeah so the other part of health that i started doing when 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 i got married was annual checkups mm-hmm. annual before i was married i only went to the doctor if I was ill Mm -hmm. and now you know we've been together almost 10 years and I go do all of my annual checks and I make him do the same thing and I had told James that I wanted to talk about this that uh, because of my husband's recent 
annual exam that he did, annual blood work. He's only 52. Well, it was a mistake that they actually took the test that you were referring to, am I correct? Uh, we don't know why. Actually, we haven't even asked the doctor why he checked this box. So part of your annual blood work at certain ages or certain things they check for, and it's not supposed to be until 55 years old for men that they check what's called your PSA level. Mm -hmm. And that PSA level is an indicator of prostate cancer. And so Doug's only 52. Um, he got his blood work. Yeah. He got right. his blood work back, and they said, "We want you to come in and recheck because your PSA is very elevated." And I forget what the range is supposed to be, but he was several points above what was acceptable at his age. So we went back and retested. Um, yes, it's still high. It wasn't a fluke in the blood work, and then went on to a urologist, and turns out he had prostate cancer. Um, so. He has been telling all of the men in his life, and we wanted to, to share that today through this platform, that I think most men are scared to get their prostate checked because they think somebody's going to stick a finger in their butt. Yeah, no. And this is not. There's other ways of checking. You, it's simple blood work. Um, but if that is the only way to do it, then you still need to do it. It's, of course. Um, but he, it was a simple blood test, and, and he caught it. And so he had it robotically removed in august uh this is uh september late september so he had it moved about seven weeks ago um laparoscopic surgery right no big cut um and he's doing the testing very is well. actually more painful right i mean some of the I, and i'm not telling you that if you do come back with a high psa that bad things aren't in store for you because right. none of us are doctors <laughs> the diagnosis is difficult, unpleasant test. Mm. The follow-up tests are unpleasant. He's been through a lot, but... But um, doesn't have to do it anymore. He won't have to have it checked anymore once right. it's removed. Um, but when they gave us the pathology back um, after they had removed the prostate, the cancer was coming out of the prostate. Mm -hmm. So if the doctor hadn't checked that at 52 years old, else. it would have spread. And so he's... We're at the point now where... Um, post-op they check your psa level again six weeks after if it is undetectable then you go into sort of a maintenance mode mm -hmm. and they check it every six weeks for the next couple of years so that's where we're at um, we found out last week that his psa is undetectable right now and so now we just do this every six weeks simple blood test check the psa level but um if the only way prostate cancer will kill you according to what the doctors have told us is if you don't do anything about it right so and you can't do anything about it if you don't yeah. know what's there so if your doctor doesn't check it and you're in your late 40s early he 50s, had zero symptoms no symptoms there are no all. symptoms yeah They're well you have symptoms of prostate once, issues once it protect yeah but he had none of those but like slow urine and stuff like Nothing. that that's not mm -hmm. a that's not a he had no symptoms he felt totally fine right um and literally it was just this awkward blood test results that we i'd never heard of a psa level before i didn't speak that jargon as fluently as i do now right. after the last last few months but the only thing the only way they told us that it will kill you is if you don't do anything about it so if you are a man or no man in his late 40s early 50s get your psa level checked especially if it's an option you know always ask for it at that age range i know there's people that you know back in the day they had radar guns i know they still have them now but most of them are lidar <clears throat> and i've heard stories of people getting testicular cancer because they run it and then they set it in their lap 
right. or you know how many of us have set their cell phone in between your thighs while you're driving down the mm-hmm. road uh, there's any number of cancers that can sneak up on you uh, not saying that cell phones cause cancer but I'm pretty sure it's probably not good for you to have it there all the time right so I actually went I talked to a nurse because I work out of the jail and she had breast cancer a while back and uh, double mastectomy and she's fine now um, but I was talking to her about my husband and she says well you can go get this test uh, it's called my risk and it checks for it's a blood test and it checks you for 11 different hereditary cancers to see if you have the genes and the likelihood of you ever getting one of these 11 cancers so I actually did the test last Monday and they said it'll take a week or so but it tests like some of the bad ones like pancreatic mm-hmm colon cancer i feel pretty confident i'm not going to test positive for prostate cancer yeah but if i do obviously i'm gonna lose some faith in the test yeah a little bit <laughs> uh breast cancer uh ovarian a bunch of different things so that's another i just think like i don't want to be that cop that retires and six months later you die right. so especially take, because of something you didn't know about right not necessarily because of life choices but you don't even know you retire and all of a sudden you've got lung cancer that's spread to 60 percent of your chest and a lot of those though were heart or heart related um they just you found them one day slumped over in their chair or whatever usually a result of heart you know diet or exercise right and part of the reason they may have retired is because they no longer could physically do the job because of heart related issues or whatever Right. I just, I don't know. I think it's important that people, especially cops, because it is a very stressful job and that stress can manifest through physical problems. And here problems. in Texas, it's hot. And it's hot. Um, yeah. And you are restricted to your ability to eat. You know, most people who have an office job have a lunch break that they can go sit down. And we just don't have that. It's you eat when you can, as fast as you can. Right. I still eat fast. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll have family members make a comment. Well, one, I was in the military, and two, when you got a meal thrown down in front of you when you were on duty, like you said, 70% of the time you're interrupted either by someone speaking to you or um, a call dropping. Mm-hmm. So, And if you were hungry at that moment, you, you, you sucked it up pretty fast. Yeah. So I think my advice, young officers, get yourself a good cooler with yeah. for your car with some water with some snacks with some stuff because when you do get hemmed up on a call and that's i always thought that was one of the fun things about patrols you can run a call and you may be done in two minutes or you may be done in 12 hours right and having the ability to you know stay well, hydrated knowing in your mind that i've got all this with me mm-hmm. when you drive up on that murder suicide or, or whatever um or an active situation you know that you can go to your vehicle if you can make it to your vehicle what caused me to load my car up i was stuck behind a pine tree because a guy had a deer rifle threatening to shoot anybody that he sees i was stuck behind there probably five to six hours and uh i almost just took the chance to get to my car to get a drink of water but when i actually was done with the situation uh he was uh taken care of um I didn't have water and I didn't have a snack or anything. And I still had to stay there, obviously, for another hour, maybe two. Someone else had some water. That was a good thing. But 
at no time in my career after that did I not have a 12, a case of 24 or something in my car. Even if it's hot, it's still better than absolutely nothing. So, And I also used to carry a change of clothes, you right. know, change of socks. I mean, I remember Undershirt. I think I've been more wet on patrol than I've been in showers that I've had. Right. When you get <laughs> stuck in the rain and the, and the shit. And I tell other folks that, you know, I talk to them, like, once the good moment on patrol when you're having that really rainy like tropical storm going on kind of day is once you lose all self-preservation yeah you're good yep mm-hmm. here it is i'm soaked for the next 12 hours mm-hmm. I smell my like feet are going to be raisins when i get them out of these boots right and there on a side note best purchase i ever made that pete dryer boot dryer yes boot dryer stupid From your air vents or no, no it's an actual thing you can get it on amazon i think they're like 20 30 bucks and it has these two vertical, it has a base and has these two vertical plastic pieces and then sort of like a little hook and you slide your boot down on it upside down and it blows <coughs> warm air. This is assuming you're you're back at the office or for at home For when you okay. get home from work. Cause you know how you, some days you get so wet. Right. Everything or in the summertime. Down. Right. And it's just hot it and you've got hot out. sweaty mm-hmm. feet for 12 hours. And then you go to put your boots on the next day and they're still wet, it's horrible. Right. So yep. you buy a boot dryer. Put your boots on there. Summertime, rainy, whatever, and and it also keep down on the funky. And one of the best things I ever bought was one of those vent. Uh, cool, uh, shop. cool cop. Cool cop. Yep, yeah. those are awesome. Um, I finally bought one, and then like two weeks later, I got an Impala as a new car. So it didn't fit. I mean, it don't fit. fit. So I've tried think- all sorts of things. I've tried refrigerated vests that you can like put cold water in and wear it underneath i tried one that had like a vent then it was supposed to try and allow air between your vest and your torso so that you could because once you get hot and sweaty you you're stuck you, you just marinate you are yep and that's that will definitely affect your mental and physical health <laughs> which also brings to mind the guys and gals to wash your vest cover because Two days later, and you're coming with the same vest cover, and you were drenched in. It still smells the same or worse. Mm-hmm. No matter if you've taken three showers. I mean, and it's not good for your smell. skin to be sitting and marinating in your own no funk. And one of the best things, I mean, I don't think it looks as good as having your vest under your shirt, but the outer <clears throat> vest carriers. I think it's very. I think that's a great tool. So much more comfortable. So when you do get hummed out on some call, and now you go to the office to write your report. And you can just unzip that thing and take it off and and cool off a little well, even bit. Even if you're still on the call and uh, you're you're protected by some type of barrier, you can unzip it and let it, let it air out. You still have the vest on. Yeah. You know, it's still draped over you, but uh, you can at least let it air out a little bit. You know. Right. So. But I mean, I don't think it looks as good. I don't either. I think as tidy, but I, but I think that that has a place uh, for patrol, and I think that. Some people are concerned. I know we're kind of getting off base here, but concerned about it being too mili- militaristic and, and all this BS. But, you know, those people that really, really uh, fight against that didn't spend a lot of time on patrol, I think. Mm-hmm. Or so they've spent no time. Yeah, yeah, but they know better. Yep. Speaking of health, <coughs> I know we all feel pretty strongly about this. I guess we'll start up like kind of a debate or discussion. Should agencies be able to require 
an obstacle course. Yes. Yes. To stay on patrol. Absolutely. Or a physical fitness test of some sort. Maybe not an obstacle course because we had a deputy for our agency who I work with. Well, it was raining. Shattered his vertebrae. Well, it was (laughs) raining, and they should have shut that one down. Yeah, well, yeah, there needs to be. Even though we do. The one where he broke his back. Yeah, well, even though we do fight crime in the rain, Mm -hmm. but we can can have common sense kick in, and uh, this is no jab at anyone that was running that situation, but they should have shut it down. Well, then you've also had people that have had coronary incidents doing the row machine. Right. So, and those were the two options when I was there was you could do the course or you could do the row machine. Then they moved it over to just the row machine. Well, I I, think it starts from the top. And we haven't done it in a long time. Oh, you haven't done Mm -hmm. any physical Mm -hmm. fitness? Starts from the top and you don't require someone that hasn't worked out in 10 years to jump on a, they should know that the date is coming. But at the same time, from the top, and I don't know what the laws are as far as uh, employment and all that stuff. I'm not on top of everything, but you should be aware that you may be unemployed if you can't do this job. Well, I think the way that they did the row machine, they did it on a sort of a sliding scale based on your age and your sex and all that. Same thing as the military. I think think that kind of a policy is, is... reasonable and fair and i totally think that that should be required and i I think my tax guy told me that if it is required then you can tax deduct Mm -hmm. gym memberships and workout equipment all that yeah i don't know so I, i used to disagree with that i used to think that you know just because you're 50 years old doesn't mean that the criminal is going to run any slower or fight you any less you hard. You disagreed but with the changing because of age and... I used to. I don't yeah. anymore. Well, you're he old. and I were talking the other... <laughs> <laughs> you are too. Oh, I am old. That's no, true. we were talking the other day, and what we were discussing was, you know, a potential age limit like they have with the, uh, with the airline industry and things like that. But as you grow older in your career and in your life, but in, especially in your law enforcement career, and you're over having your uniform tore up, and you're over chasing people and all of that uh and the risk of being injured you learn to talk a little bit more to people you learn to use your mouth to handle the situation rather than your body verbal is that trademarked (laughs) Um, i don't know sorry (laughs) but you're not on the rights to that yeah we um we young people are more apt to jump into it i think after they've gotten more comfortable. You know, there's this period of about a year when you're kind of, oh, I'm not really sure well, yet. it's just like the guy running off and you know who he is. You mm-hmm. just tell him, I know who you are, and you make him, you kind of mentally screw him as he's running away. Yeah, but I'd actually, I'd, I would probably say that if, when I was 25, 26 years old and in real good shape, I oh, would have no. chased that dude. Absolutely. Just because that's, it's fun. <laughs> it, it is. It, it, it is. is fun. It is. Uh, it's, it is fun. So, so, but my first foot pursuit, I was... 35 years old and he was 16 and um he ran from somebody at the mall i don't know when i was working nearby uh i think i was foot patrol then um kind of in an area where there's a lot of bars and we were paid to just walk around and patrol stuff um so they gave the direction of travel that he ran in and i saw a kid that kind of met his description and I stink-eyed the kid because, you know, sometimes if they get far enough away, they'll quit running and they'll start walking and act like it's not me you're looking for. Mm-hmm. So I kind of give the kid a little stink-eye to try and flush it out of him if it's him. But then I saw the right kid run behind him. 
So I take off after him. We're running through a construction zone. I get on the radio. I don't know. I think I had a four-digit unit number back then. And I get on the rail. I don't know. 2232. He's southbound on such and such, blah, blah, blah. And um, so for people who don't work patrol, um, who are not police officers, there's uh, when you do air radio traffic like that, dispatch will do what's called close the channel. Um, what that means is that only you and people involved in your call can speak t- on the radio until the channel is opened. Should so be. It's supposed to be. So she says, that's clear, 22-whatever, channel closed, channel closed, any unit to be en route to 22-whatever my number was. And I said on the radio, negative Conroe, you can open it. I'm not going to catch him. I was just letting you know where he is. <laughs> that's an honest way of looking at it. He's 16. I'm 35. I've got about 35 pounds worth of crap on right now. He got it. Just letting you know. I'm giving it what I got, but it ain't going to work. Right. Yeah. <laughs> Don't even start the car if you can't. And I was in really there. good shape, but I mean, my goodness. I'm I've commandeered a car and a boat in my career. So <laughs> At the same time? No. That would uh, be really cool. Different scenes. Um, not necessarily commandeered kind of the whole car. It was a... Uh, it she, was a she commandeered a wrecker. I did. It was a boat... You know, motorized boats. I think if it's a motorized boat in the woodlands, Lake Woodlands, it has to be electric. Well, this one's the the row the rowing mm-hmm. uh, class was out there, and uh, we were looking for a child that wandered off around the water. Mm. And uh, he came in. He he motors his boat next to the students that are rowing, and he's talking to them over his megaphone. Anyway, I commandeered his boat. Yeah, but the thing around here is. <coughs> people would be glad to help out yeah usually. i think so they're yeah please what what can i what can i help you with <coughs> so my record story that do I you know this up. story Kenton? you told you told me but i can't so we had i had just transferred to a new district i did you not know where we that, were mm-hmm. no i didn't get in trouble okay um i was in a new district i didn't know my way around at all uh they had a pursuit guy bailed out on foot we're in the area scouring the houses looking for him and he gets on another officer gets on the radio and says i have one at gunpoint and gives the location i didn't know where he was <coughs> i'm have my iphone out and i'm zooming in on google maps trying to figure out where the hell they are mm-hmm. and i look up and there's a wrecker at the end of the street and i wave him to come over to me and i'm like where are they and he tells me oh it's like three blocks this away. is when the wreckers could actually hear what was going on yes okay. oh they can't hear it that's right they changed that i don't know now. can they i think i don't think they can anymore okay I think they're on rotation now. I don't know. Yeah, they're on a rotation. But back then, they used to monitor our radio to know when they needed to be somewhere. They would actually help an officer if needed. I had one call me because it was a DPS channel that we didn't have, and he says, "Hey, he's fighting him over here at such and such. Go, go run to him." So you 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 approach the record driver. Well, I wave him to come to me, and so it's like August, and at the time I was uh, early forties, and uh, I said, "Where are they?" He's well, it's like three blocks away, and I stepped up onto the running board of his wrecker. And I'm like, run me over there real quick. Did you hang over a little further like it was a SWAT situation? or? No, I didn't make it look cool or anything. Okay. I just, it was hot. You said you didn't have any cool stories. This is actually a cool story. Okay, well, it gets better. So <laughs> they get the guy detained, show undetained, blah, blah, blah. So I tell the record guy before we round the corner so nobody sees what I'm doing. I'm like, Ooh, let me off right here. And no one will know. And I'll show up right. not sweating. Right where everybody else has been running through neighborhoods and all that. So I round the corner and I'm walking maybe 25 yards to where the scene is. 
and this old guy in this pickup truck pulls up next to me, cowboy. He says, hey, darling, you need a ride? I said, no, sir, I'm just, just going right there. And uh, I didn't know who the guy was. And then the passenger leaned forward, and it was our sheriff. That's awesome. In the passenger seat. And he says, hey, you doing all right? I said, yes, sir, just getting to that scene right there. He said, uh, said something else, and I said, well, I got a ride from the wrecker. He says, I know, baby, we were behind you. <laughs> Leave it to me. I guarantee you he appreciated that. I said, sir, I'm old, and it's hot. Doing my kind of And he understood that. Yes. So when we got to the scene and everything was cleared up and we finally turned our cameras off, I had to pull was my that sergeant. that the white-haired fellow? Yes. Yeah. I pulled my sergeant aside and I'm like, if you get a phone call later, um, I kind of commandeered a wrecker to get over here. And then later my lieutenant, she sees me in the patrol room. She's like, tell me what you did. What, what did you do? And I'm like, ma'am, it's hot. I'm old. I got there. Seems like safe. I said, using different tactics to overcome the situation. Using your resources. That's right. Work smarter, not harder. So I'm sure there's going to be some people that aren't police that are listening that want to know the uh, why. Why should we be able to force, as a condition of employment, someone to run an obstacle course to stay employed as a police officer? And you would think that the answer would be pretty obvious. But um, for me... The reason, and I stayed in pretty good shape. When I was and I think people office. that work out would not question it. That's exactly right. I never, I, I was. I'm saying even citizens it. that are not police officers. Yeah. If they would not question it. Yeah. No, I, I, I made it a point after talking to, you know, various people and being on night shift and doing some of these calls. <clears throat> right. When I first started in law enforcement, I was probably 135 pounds. And I realized pretty quickly, that's not doing it. That's not going to get it done. And I haven't seen that since like. Sixth grade Elementary or something. Yeah. No, I, I weighed 135 pounds. I was skin and bone when I started. And probably within two years, I had gained 20 pounds of muscle because I started drinking protein shakes and going to the gym because I knew that my life depended on it. And I don't understand the mentality of a person who doesn't subscribe to that right. in law enforcement. Um, I didn't want to be the guy who's stuck on this side of the fence while my partner's over there getting beat up right uh, or chasing down somebody and he gets there and i get there and i can't fight because i only weigh 130 pounds right mm. uh i just didn't want to be that i didn't want to let my my brothers and sisters down right i included you there thanks um no i think that that was huge to me that while i was on patrol i don't admittedly i don't work out like i should and i don't i eat really healthy Take care of myself, all that. I saw those chicken wings down there. We do the keto diet, so that's totally... It's it's in regs? It's totally, yeah. I'm allowed to do that. Me too. Actually, I'm glad you got the wings from where you got them from today, because the last time they were not, and those, I like that dry rub over there. Yeah. Um, But no, so my husband and I do the keto diet and have for two and a half years. He lost 70 pounds. Yeah, he's a... And I lost about 30. Totally different. Um... But, yeah, I just, I don't know. I just thought it was important that we talk about that taking care of yourself, doing all of your annual checkups, try mm-hmm. to eat healthy. I'm not saying I won't go for a big old plate of Mexican food from time to time, but for the most part, your day in, day out, you'll feel better. You'll be more motivated if you take care of yourself. Without a doubt. And then the other part of taking care of yourself is your mental health. Yes, a it big is, part. It is uh, not a normal job. You were seeing things 
you should not be seeing and dealing with things that most people don't deal with traumatic situations traumatic calls people screaming and yelling at you all day long every day sometimes um, and stuff you see stuff you can't even think of like mm -hmm. you, you know you go and you see this and you're like well in my wildest dreams i never would have thought a, right. a human being could do this to another human being right or a train or train whatever yep so being able i think there's a stigma and i don't think it's as bad as it used to be but it's definitely still there mm -hmm. that seeking help seeking out someone to talk to or just talking amongst each other and being honest like i couldn't sleep last night because that call i kept having dreams and seeing that dead baby or that whatever that you dealt with the day before i was really fortunate because my partner was our chaplain mm -hmm. and so when we did run traumatic calls we were able to talk really honestly about yeah i couldn't sleep last night or and i think it, that's one of the the uh issues is trust and uh, it, you could trust the man, the man you're speaking about and and it's not necessarily will he go speak to someone else, that type of trust. But is he wholeheartedly into it, and is he tr truly trying to help you? Mm -hmm. And I think that particular person you're speaking about is, is certainly in, in it. So uh, one of the things that we all suffer from, I think, as police officers is trust. And uh, and the, the situation where we're supposed to be mightier than thou and, and, and all this, and to sit in front of someone to tell your story or uh, whether you're sent somewhere to get help, it's it, for some of us it's hard to sit there because you feel like speaking to someone is not helping you um, just because they got a PhD in this or whatever. Uh, it, it's I have severe trust issues because I I want you to be wholeheartedly into the situation, and if I see one glimpse of you being a doctor and not being a someone that truly wants to help me i'm out mentally and physically i won't come back right so um it, it goes along with church uh one of the pastors up there it it goes you know it stretches out to pretty far so um that's one of the things i think cops have a, they struggle with is, is trust well yeah because you're hanging around every day you've got us versus them right. very nearly you've got all of your friends you're not necessarily friends your coworkers. right um We've all got badges and guns. We're over here, and we're trying to catch John Q. Bad Guy. Right. And they're actively trying to kill us. Right. Uh, some of the time. A lot of the time. And, and they're certainly trying to get away. And depending on how many citizens are involved in the situation or just standing around, they don't have a uniform on. So they're yep. trying to kill you, too, as far as you know, because that's the way you have to act. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, the, the mental health part of it, it didn't really affect me until after I left. Uh, and it... Where I f figured out, I did have dreams. Uh, it was more of shootouts. It wasn't dead babies or anything. Did like your that. gun work in those dreams? It, it, no. It, 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 I, I think I fired my weapon one time. Successfully in the dream. Yes. Where the, you didn't. Mine bullets fell out. Right. The barrel fell out. And normally I'm in a hallway where the, you know, it's there's no escape and it's I'm fixing to go. Not mine. Know? I'm always around a car where I can't see where he is. I'm right. on this side. He's already shot. And I'm trying to figure out where he's gone. Right. But uh, one of the ways I figured out. But only out, one time in all your dreams did you actually. I fired a weapon. I still don't know if it if he, if he I hit my target. Yeah. Or if I, he did, I if it was effective. Right. I worked a long time before I found out I was the only one having dreams that I couldn't get my gun out of my holster. No, every time I failed except for one. Right. 
and I still don't know if I made it because I woke up. You know, I don't know. I have the same ratio that you do. I had one dream one time where I, the guy had a baseball bat. There was about three or four of us trying to get him under control. Uh, he's swinging the baseball bat. We're trying to figure out how to close the gap. And I, he swung it at me in my dream, and I felt the swoosh as the bat went right. by my head. And in my dream, I'm like, oop, deadly force. And I, like, pulled my gun out and pow and shot him four times and woke up. And I'm like, finally. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> finally. Finally, <laughs> it worked out. Finally, yeah. I'm not the incompetent goober that can't get her gun out of her holster. Right. A million-pound trigger pull where yeah. you right. no matter how yeah. you That's one of the problems. Yes. And one of the things that I, I, I figured out it, it affected me was movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, I couldn't more, watch movies. I'm more into comedy. I, I, I do not watch uh, horrific movies because Hollywood has advanced so much now where it appears. If you watch a, a real gruesome movie, they're pretty good at it now. And, and what Well, they were see, saying people, the veterans, were getting up and walking out of Saving Private Ryan when it first came out because the I D-Day scenes I actually worked at a movie were, theater when that movie came out, and a lot of people were freaking out, walking out. And that's another thing that we've kind of touched on. So the issue in Saving Private Ryan was just such a gruesome opening, mm-hmm. but that's what it was. Right. That's what happened. That's as, cl- as close. That's as it how can get. nasty it is in in war. Absolutely. And I think you can suck it up and sit through that. Yes. And respect for the men and w- that that were there. Something like on that. D-Day. Absolutely. People can like the the PTSD people that were of there. Course not. Those are the ones that were right. getting up and walking. They already know about it. The theaters that I worked at, it was everybody, but, women. Yeah. Husband, they, it's too much. Be, it's too much. Be a patriot. That the least you can do is sit your ass through the and movie. And that's a different way of looking at it as far as a civilian. And, and they, they're they actually attacking the movie at that point. Well, where, I think where they're that, not looking at reality and this is what truly happened. I think it's the same frustration people have with <coughs> cops. And that cops understand law enforcement is not pretty. And what we do with people, what you all had to do in the middle of the night, what I had to do evenings and day shift fighting with somebody trying to get in control of somebody fighting for your life it's not pretty it's not and that you need to be able to talk about it and i I, one of the calls i am so thankful i did not run this call but we had one out in the west part of the county several years ago where a pit bull got a hold of a baby yep and uh units got there killed the pit bull hmm What'd you say? That sound sounded like it might cost James some money, but go ahead. Um, But I'm really happy I didn't run that call. I didn't want to see that. I feel bad for the guys that were there. Mm -hmm. Um, But the chaplain, friend of mine, went to talk to the units that were there once everything was resolved. Um, You know, the baby died. Um, They got everything taken care of. And he's trying to talk to him. And one of the officers that was there is a young guy, brand new guy, still in training, who happened to have a baby at home that affected the same him age. immediately no he said that it didn't bother him and the chaplain friend of mine is like and it, he fully believed that the kids that the officer said that out of male bravado i've right. got this I'm tough. and i'm, I'm tough. still in training i want you to know that i can handle, I can this. handle this i can right. handle seeing a baby ripped apart by a pit bull um and so the chaplain told him you're allowed to be upset and if you're not upset, we need to talk about that. Yeah. Because you shouldn't see something it's, like if that. If it didn't affect you at all, yes. Then we need to talk about yes. that. And so being able, as a police officer, I think more so maybe for men, I think women are more able to admit limitations as far as emotional 
right. trauma. But I think men just want to be like, no, I can handle it. I can keep, I can they watch push that. Push it down and, for yeah, sure. I got it. I'm not upset. Well, you at least you do need to be able to compartmentalize and keep your shit together long enough while you're on scene to not go to pieces. That's not going to instill any kind of confidence in anybody that you know what you're doing. But you do need to know that afterwards, it is going to affect you. It will somewhere along your life. You may not even realize it. You might not connect that the reason I'm yelling at my wife today or the reason I'm yelling at this group, whatever it is, is because of that. But you need to talk to people. You need to talk to your coworkers, family, whoever. Well, that's what I was going to bring up at the minimum two or three coworkers that you trust. And yep. it's not going to go out and talk to the, the next district. Probably people about, that were there with you. Right. Um, and I think be they're getting better about. about that. They, I've heard that there's a lot of... Um, more emphasis and they're trying to be more organized about when there is a really bad traumatic call where they are having a sit down conversation for everyone there fire ems well one of the, the units that were there and let's all talk about how right. this affected us what we felt about what happened well i think a, a lot of times on a military mission there is a debriefing mm-hmm. uh at the end uh on what occurred and uh, i think it's very important that uh you you bring that in and um, it, even if it's a, the next day that we need to sit down, we have a meeting at 8 p.m. or whatever the shift is, 6 p.m. We're going to sit down and we're going to speak as long as uh, the calls permit. We're going to have a conversation about what happened yesterday. And, it, and if you're a citizen, by the way, not to, this is not changing subjects, but um, if you're if you're a citizen and you've not been in law enforcement, don't go ask a police officer what's the craziest thing you've ever seen. We yeah. don't want to relive that shit. We don't, we don't want to go through it again. I mean, or have you ever shot someone? Or, or yeah, have you whatever. ever shot someone? Have you ever seen you know dead whatever? Don't don't ask that. That's you know, we'll share that if we feel like we want to talk about it. But well, one of the scenes in the movie that that, that affected me, and it's it's really not a, a gruesome scene. It was uh, one of the bad boys uh, shows where the captain gets shot towards the end of the movie. Uh, uh, he's the captain that's it's always been a chewing them out. Yeah. And, it's been a while since uh, I've seen well, it. Well, if you get a chance, go back and look at it. And it was pretty realistic uh, regarding how he got shot and uh, how you would feel if your captain that you truly admired and you, you respected got shot in front of you. Uh, I stopped watching the movie. I got up, and my wife was like, where are you going? And she paused it, thinking I'm going to Richmond. I said, I don't want to watch that. I didn't know that was going to occur, which was the first time I'd seen the movie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, actually, I paused it. And um, because I could, I could just imagine how that would feel on the street uh, if my captain that I truly admired, someone like uh, the one, my last captain I had, well, not my last captain, uh, the captain before this current situation is here yeah. came along, um, it would it would really disturb me. What was the movie, Jake Gyllenhaal and somebody else? Uh, What's that law enforcement movie? Golly, very man. realistic. Um, you remember what we're talking about? They're, they're yeah, they're or man, what was the name of that movie? Anyways, that the ending of that movie was kind of like a very realistic. Yeah, the fight was very realistic. Uh, the show was very realistic. My whole shift, we went and watched it together uh, because we'd heard that mm-hmm. we'd heard that it was a good movie. But that came out end of watch. Is that end what it was watch. called? That's what it was. Um, and yeah, it was a. It came out. It showed the relationship with the husband and wife, and the, and and the girlfriend and the and the guy, and it shows all the cutting up in the locker rooms. And, and it's uh, pretty damn close. Yeah. If you want to see what law enforcement looks like on TV, don't watch CSI. No, go watch that movie. It's a 
it's as realistic as it gets. And there's some of it's a little over the top, and there's some stuff that's missing, but right. it's pretty close. I'd say it'd give it a 75% accuracy rating. Right. I haven't seen that, but I think my favorite law enforcement-ish movie was The Heat. Yeah. With uh, Sandra Bullock and oh, yeah. no, no. Melissa McCarthy. God. I was thinking Heat. <laughs> no, now Heat was great. It was. But The Heat with... The heat. With Sandra Bullock Made and Melissa McCarthy. That's funny. Did you no, see that it? is funny. Yes, I did yes. watch it. Uh, I mean, it was... So, it's a frustration. One's pretty rough around the edges. Melissa McCarthy's this rogue, crazy, local cop. cop. The other one's an FBI agent she, or something. Yeah, Sandra Very Bullock refined, plays a straight-laced... Yeah. F- and, like, one of my favorite scenes, and I might mess it up a little bit, but they were going in to interview somebody. And, <laughs> yeah, I remember. And, and Sandra Bullock is like... She's being proper. We're going to build rapport. And we're going to create a level of comfort and trust between ourselves and the suspect. And Melissa was like, And Melissa's like, like no. absolutely, absolutely. And, like, walks in the room and throws a phone book at the guy's face, pulls her gun, and sticks it in his crotch. And where's the <laughs> such and such? Yeah. Tell me now. And Sandra's like, oh, my God. Yeah. Like, very. That's so, a little over the top. We don't do that. But no, we it don't is funny, do that. Though. But it's, like, it's funny. Because but in the end, both of them taught each other some lessons. You right? want to know what I think is probably got an 80% on the accuracy rating? Super Troopers. Yeah. In the beginning, yes. Yes. Uh, it gets a little wild towards the end, but if you want, that is the cut-up that we do. Uh, and that's probably a, an outlet, a venting outlet for all Absolutely. of the craziness we see. And to. I think it's important. You have to have a sense of humor to do. And we do, as cops, have a very demented, very think, demented sense of humor. But, I mean, just in the middle of the day, just to be able to kind of cut up and laugh a little bit about what you're seeing and what you're dealing with. Um, I think the funniest one I I used to do is I had arrested a girl for shoplifting who had, when I saw her, she had a um, hospital band on her wrist. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what's the matter with you? And she says, well, I just got out of the hospital. I said, obviously, what's the matter with you? Well, I have a staph infection. Okay, see you later. No, I had to, <laughs> yeah. So I arrested her, and I was trying so hard. Like, that's the one thing. And I tell kids that work in the jail, do you know what a staph infection is? Because if you don't Google it, you don't want it. Right. It's bad. Um, so I had to arrest her, and then when I cleared the jail, I went to the fire station. I had them spray my car down with this cootie killer spray that they yeah. had, and I wiped everything down. And, and then I went and met a partner. And he starts teasing me about the symptoms of staph infections, and he won't touch the door that I touched, and he's being kind of a butt about right. it. And then an hour or two later, I'm on a traffic stop, and he stops by to check on me. And so, mind you, he doesn't want me to touch anything that it he's is. touched because he doesn't want me to give him the staph infection he thinks I just acquired. Right. And so while we're on the stop, he's holding his flashlight for me, and I start grabbing his arm and touching his arm and redirecting <laughs> the light. And and this, I mean, it's a traffic stop, right? It's right. serious, right? But no. then I, I said, hey, can you watch this guy? The guy that I had pulled over, had him out of the car, and we're writing him a ticket. And I, I said, can you watch this guy for me for just a sec? And I went back. He thought I was getting something out of my car. You went to his. I went to his car and rubbed all over <laughs> your steering wheel. <laughs> and the whole time, he still has... <laughs> You know, the, the command presence and, and he, all that stuff. And he sees it happen. And he sees it happen. He sees it. He's just right. shaking like, his head. He's like, you're yeah. such a Do you, do you remember the guy that used to run around South County? He would either be naked or he was stealing something. Um, Which one? Big tall guy. Um, I know. It starts mm. with a G. I know who you're talking about. Yes. <laughs> we saw him walking down. Uh, he was walking behind 
or around the uh, it used to be the academy. Now it's a, a, a liquor store, I think. Uh, yeah, it's Specs. Yes. We all. Do, this is my idea. This is the, like you said. It, it's something that you wouldn't think of unless you were kind of thrown off. We <coughs> we all got in one car, had the windows rolled down, <coughs> drove up beside him as he was walking and stopped. We stared at him for about twenty seconds and then drove off. Now, I don't care what actually happened in his mind, but I know he had to been thinking, "What the hell was that?" <laughs> And we immediately returned to our other cars, and everybody dispersed. But it was something as a supervisor that I thought it would be fun for my guys to um, just just do something to step outside the box. We didn't do anything to harm him. No. We didn't say anything to harm him. But he knows now that four cops will get in a car and look at him. And you're at a drainage ditch. Yeah. (laughs) And we drove off. Mm -hmm. And he caused us a lot of problems. Oh, over and over. Over the years. I think he's... Way he's the one that now. threatened President Bush. Right. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's in, in prison. federal prison now. So, and that's not his name. I just want to point out you know, what, what I said. No. Mm, it's no. not what? Who? his name. No. Um, but, yeah, I used to, and I think you used to do the same thing. If you had a problem house with a problem person on in it. On the way there? No, I would type my reports on the on the street in front of their house. Yeah, no. Uh, <laughs> down there at, uh, what's It's the hard to run drugs TLTR. when the cops are writing all their reports we in had front a, of your We house. had a drug running house that we knew was running drugs. We used to have our ship meeting in front of their house, mm-hmm. <laughs> and he complained. And uh, people want law enforcement. And he I don't came out and confronted about, us sir. at one time, and I said, "This is a public roadway. We're out here. What's the problem?" I said, "We're not in your driveway." Of course, it it reached uh, to a captain status, and and uh, and I thought that my captain handled it very well. He goes, "Well, you know, maybe mix it up a bit. Not every night." I said, "No, I, I get it." <laughs> and uh, we we didn't do it every night. Mm-hmm. He made well, it had sound days like. Off. Yeah, we had days off. Yeah. Um, but I thought it was, uh, I mean, it could, at any point he could have went in and pointed a deer rifle through the mini blinds or something. But right. he, we were completely messing up his operation, you know. Just and he fun. finally moved. Darn. Darn. I don't know where he moved to, but I'm sure he kept on doing what he was doing. But not here. he wasn't not at that here. rental house anymore. Not, not, not around our taxpayers. Right. So anyway, I think that having we, fun at the job, but talking about traumatic calls, take care of yourself. I think all of those are important messages. Maybe it's not as much fun as some of our other topics, but... You're expected to have, to bring home some baggage. You're going to have a demented sense of humor. We have a demented sense of humor. I'll Mm -hmm. say you like I'm addressing somebody specifically, but we we have that demented sense of humor. It is a coping mechanism for sure. Um, We have trust issues. That's Mm -hmm. a coping mechanism for sure. It's also smart when you're a police officer. That's the bumper sticker I was going to buy. It said... uh, in God we trust, everyone else we run through TCI, NCIC. Yeah, NCIC, TC, yes, yes. And, you know, uh, if you're a spouse listening and you have no clue what's going on, you should give that person maybe a 30-minute window before you start engaging or asking a bunch of questions when they get home. Mm-hmm. Because it, that was one of the problems I if it, Life goes on. You still have problems when you get home yep. or you have bills to pay. And uh, But I think that every spouse... If it if they have that if the officer has that look on their face, you know, give them some room, let them let them decompress a little bit before mm-hmm. life hits them again. You know, give them thirty minutes of decompression, you know, and cooling off or taking a shower or whatever, you know. Right. So, yeah. So we we it'll help. We try to address you know officers, officers' families, friends, and then also people who don't have family 
or friends who are our law enforcement. So we try to hit all the bases where we can try to get it from every perspective to let each group of people kind of, uh, you know, peek through the window on, on this life of ours. And, uh, but in the same time, we as officers have to remember that everyone's not a cop mm-hmm. and everyone's not a criminal. Yep. And uh, that's tough to, to deal with, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Regarding the PTSD, I, I want to make another. That's a slippery slope, I think. It, and, it is. Uh, I would never say that I have PTSD, but I think I do. I don't know. I mean, I know that it affects my mind on what I watch and how I react to certain things, crowds. I think the like D that. is where I get where I'm not there. So yeah. I, I would I would say PTS. Yeah, I'm, I've got you know post traumatic stress, so, yeah. the disorder where you're not able to function and where you're not able to. It's life lessons. It's that's right. causing you to act that way. Yeah, or and think that way. Everybody, most people are going to have some sort of traumatic event in their life. We just see it a hell of a lot more. But I met a 22-year-old when I was on the street that was smoking marijuana on a curb. I think you remember this because I called one of your deputies over to speak to him because he was a former Marine cadet that went, or uh, whatever they call him, in boot camp, boot. I don't know. Can you say that anymore? I have no idea. Um, he left boot camp, and he had PTSD, and he was getting full benefits. And he told mm-hmm. me that because I didn't ask. He told me he was retired, and that, you know, that I was pretty uh, concerned that he said retired, and uh, functioning fine, standing there, healthy kid, and uh, before we left, though, he got PTSD from boot camp, so I'm not saying it can't happen, and I appreciate him trying. That's something that we really need to look at as a society. Yeah as who truly needs our help and uh, how do you approach it I don't know because I'm not that smart but I will know I do know that it will be abused there are some in the public circle though that will look at that guy and say well he was a, a marine he didn't make it through boot camp but he went to the marine corps he's allowed to have PTSD right but not a cop no police officer is not allowed to have PTSD suck it up you this is your job that's part of your that's why i used to hate hearing was you know you're getting injured you're getting shot at you've got you're seeing all this traumatic stuff well that's what you signed up for that's your job and i actually when i was filed i filed on a guy for he knocked me across the room when i I was was trying to arrest him and uh we ended up getting him uh, i got a warrant on him um and filed on him for assault on a public servant and uh evading because he I chased him. He got in his vehicle and ran um, from his probation officer's office, mm. which was pretty funny. Um, but when I talked to the district attorney about the case, uh, she was telling me that the public views it as my job to be assaulted when trying to effect an arrest. Who's and, the public? Well, and I told her, um, you know, she'd never met me in person. And I said, you know. Of course, there's an ADA that probably doesn't work there anymore, but. I have no idea. Um, but I told her, I said, you know, I'm not worried about him running in a motor vehicle. I'm worried about the next cop that deals with him knows that they will, that he'll assault them. And One, he thinks he has a warrant now for that felony. Right. Um, and so she says, well, what do you want? And I said, well, you can drop the evading charge if you want to plea bargain things out, but keep the assault charge. And I said, if you want to go in front of a jury of citizens in this county and have me stand there. I'm 5'8". I, I think at the time I was about 40 years old. 
and uh, he's six four, you know, two hundred fifty mm-hmm. pound uh, guy. And tell them that. And you, tell him, tell tell them that that that's part he of has job. the right to knock me across the room mm-hmm. when I'm trying to effect an arrest because that's what I signed up for. Let's go there. And she relented, and they ended up. Um, he signed for the assault charge and and got two years um, in prison for it, but. Um, yeah, it's not part of your job. I it's don't not think. part of your job. And but it, I've heard many stories of charges being dropped because you know that's part of it. I remember a deputy was trying to put a, someone in a car and they got mule kicked, you know, mm-hmm. dual feet. Mm. It didn't hurt them. I mean, it took the breath out of them, but it didn't injure them. And um, that's one of the points that ADA made was, were they injured? I said, I don't care if they were injured or not. I don't get to kick him. Does he get to kick me? Right. So if I kicked him, it would be a felony. Yeah. Right. If I kick him and he doesn't feel pain or he wasn't injured, yeah. am, I, am I in the clear? I'm losing my job. I'm losing my retirement. And um, I'm in the bread line the next week. Yep. So um, I, I just think that it, that's a horrible way of looking at things, especially as uh, the counties and the cities get larger. They start thinking that uh, they do not have to file those types of charges. But it's a horrible thing because it gives them permission to do it. What happens on the PTSD um, line? What happens if an officer says, I, I think I might have PTSD? They go talk to somebody. They tell their command staff that they've got PTSD. And then that officer goes out the next shift and shoots somebody. That's and tough. Now, I don't know. And that's, I think, there's a, it's a really, it's, I think that's. That you know what it boils down that. to, though? It boils down to how the media is going to react. Mm-hmm. And how the how the citizens are going to react, and the voters, and the voters, but and eighty five percent have no clue what they're talking about. Nope. But that doesn't stop them from making the comment. Yeah. But or, we have, I mean, in our department, we have a confidential crisis hotline that you can reach out to, and we do. Get but how many emergency. people believe that that's confidential? I mean, people probably are suspicious of that. I mean, people say officers are probably suspicious. But it also of brings the, back the trust issue. Who am right. I talking to? Yes, right. It dehumanizes it, and they think that's like the last resort. I'm not going to call that unless they, you know, I'm not saying me personally, but they're thinking I'm not going to call that unless I'm about to eat my gun. You right. know, if I'm if I'm getting suicidal, then I need to call and talk. But just the regular everyday things, I don't know this guy. They're not going to call that. Well, I mean, I've utilized it. I, it wasn't anything related to law enforcement. I had some really bad personal stuff going on over the period of a few years, and I was really getting close to losing my shit. Not eat my gun, kind of lose my shit, but just having yeah. a really hard time, um, kind of close to a little bit of an emotional breakdown of some sort. Well, you've had a lot of shit going on. And and I I finally just, you know, lost it and didn't, okay, I think I need... I need some emergency counseling, right. and I went to it, and it was beneficial. And, and free. I don't care who I knows. It's free, yeah, it's it? free. Yeah, you get well, a certain I think it's awesome of, if it's available. Absolutely, you get a certain number of sessions um, with a counselor, and I found it incredibly helpful. Um, and I don't care. I think some of my coworkers know that I did it, um, but I don't care if anybody knows. I mean, I was. I think anybody that was in the situation I was in at the time, I don't know if you'd have done any better. I mean, right. it was to really difficult thing that wore on me for a few years and i finally just was like uncle right i've had it so i think that that's acceptable i don't have a problem with it and if if i had a coworker that i found out went to some sort of emergency emergency counseling for something they've been through take care of yourself well that's another that's thing the we need to put the message out to our, our coworkers. 
don't look down on that person for doing that. You're, Absolutely you're not. You're not a machine. Right. You know, so. It's like that goes right back to that kid that said he wasn't affected by that baby. Mm-hmm. Yep. If you're not, that's a problem. Uh, that's right. And now we're at a place in society where it's not necessarily, a, it's not at all a bad thing for you to seek out and talk to somebody. So if you're even one year in, if you're, I was on a scene with a firefighter. That, but that, it is different when they want to file charges for certain things mm-hmm. so it's a it, it, it kind of clashes with each other where you shouldn't you should go get help but you shouldn't file those charges because you got kicked in the chest it's a double standard right and and seeing dead babies is part of your job so why aren't we getting help for it i went to i was uh, went to a crash and uh, this is an older bridge where it was solid concrete on both sides right and this girl just pie out it head on killed her uh, actually, she was barely alive when we got there. And one of the firefighters passed smooth out right in the middle of the road. He stood there. He watched her die and passed smooth out. And you out. know he's seen this stuff. And uh, it turned out he knew her was, oh, was part of horrible. it. Um, yeah. and, but you know he's seen this stuff. And you know. It's different. But mm-hmm. it's, it's just shit you're not supposed to see. Mm-hmm. Most people don't see this. And most people sure don't see it every single day. Right. So if. If you're a uh, an officer, do not feel ashamed or embarrassed. Don't hesitate to go talk to your coworkers, your family, somebody. Uh, drink some beer with a, a buddy from high school or something. Or an elder officer or seasoned officer that you trust, mm-hmm. that you know is not going to blab about it. Go talk to them because they've seen a lot too. As long as they've, there's a lot of people that's been in the business a long time that hasn't seen what a 25 year old officer has seen. Right. Um, he's been in the business three years. He's seen more than the people that are telling him what to do. Right. And doesn't mean he they're not good leaders, but it's hard to talk to someone that hasn't been through something. Right. And if you're a member of the family, like Kenton was saying earlier, maybe give him a little bit of the benefit of the doubt, a little 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. It's just he's on out of this for a minute. Um, and then if you're the public and, again, don't have anybody that you can really relate to in law enforcement like that, uh, same thing. Maybe a little benefit of the doubt. Maybe mm-hmm. Try to empathize a bit and see if there's a way to bridge that gap. So, um, well, I think we covered. I think we've, we we can, can do this all this. day. Absolutely, mm-hmm. it's yeah. big. It's a big subject. Between the three of us, we have we have enough stories to tie this thing <laughs> up for a while. Yeah. None of us are counselors, but I know that you know we're all here for each other. We're if you know we've got friends that call us and still talk to us people that are still in law enforcement and i can tell you it helps mm-hmm. it really does it really does help it keeps us on an even keel and it lets us know that we're not the only one going through it that's right another big deal so uh, i think we are just about ready to wrap this one up we're really i'm really enjoying this mm-hmm. you guys you think we ought to keep doing it absolutely I think, so. <laughs> I think we'll keep doing it i think our, our um, audience will grow and um i enjoyed i look forward to seeing it if we can make a difference in anybody's life mm-hmm. regarding what we've been through and what we can apply to just regular life or those officers that are just starting out or midway through their career can relate to some of the things that we're speaking about. Well, that uh, I know that, you know, you're still in it, although maybe not on patrol, and Kenton and I are both out, um, retired, I guess is appropriate. Mm-hmm. And But we both still feel that need to help, mm-hmm. or we all three of us still need feel that need to help people. Mm-hmm. And so if this can help people, officer, public, whatever, I love it. I do too. Well, I'm James. Amber. I'm Kenton. And um, this is Channel Open. We'll see you all on the next episode.